You are listening to Ace Comicals, my name's Greg. Today I'm joined by my co-host Leon. Let's get started. Hi guys, it's number 16, I'm back, and I'm literally drowning in comics right now. I've been away for two weeks on holiday in Hungary, and I've come back to a enormous stack of comics, <laughs> so uh, I have no hope of getting through these before the next NCB, N- NBCD either, so NCB, new comic book day, new comic book day, NCBD. Yeah, I have no hope of getting through these before the next NCBD, and um, it's... Yeah, I've come back to a post-apocalyptic comicocracy, if you can say that word, if that is a word. <laughs> you can um, now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so joining me today is just Leon. Uh, Rahul is it's Rahul's turn to go off and have a break. So, yeah, I mean, we've still got plenty to talk about. I think we both still managed to get plenty of reading in. I got some holiday reading in, um, and Leon's had a busy weekend too, I hear. Yeah, um, I was off at uh, the, what feels like, annual summer convention for general nerdery. Um, Yeah, it was a weekend. It was a fun weekend. Uh, Nothing real to report there. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, I mean, we, well, I I didn't go this year, but I usually go. It's just a general um, get-together of geeks and nerds and people that love things that are sci-fi and comic booky and yeah Jap- japanese animation-y and anime i mean and that kind of stuff. That, that's sort of where they like started off they they were events in appreciation for that when um yeah that was in short supply but now um it's just the way out everyone is they've become more general geekery yeah. uh fests it's evolved into a, a general celebration of all yeah. things nerdy which we so like. i mean this one is generally just an excuse to hang out with mates who live all over the country but um yeah yeah what better, what better way to do it i guess yeah but, all yeah. huddled onto a university campus yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um where do i start the first thing I want to do is I want to rescind my comments about the war of joke and riddles, <laughs> jokes and riddles, because this this uh, this is the recent Batman arc that's currently ongoing, um, and that is because it's actually knocking it out of the park right now. So you've been converted straight away. Well, it is it it's like I think we're four issues in now, um, but there's been two really good comics um within this arc so far but both of them really great concepts that have sort of got made me think okay yeah that um and so so i'd like to refresh the audience's uh yeah memories what what is all this okay so uh in a video on the ace comicals youtube channel i turned around and said that it wasn't this 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 arc wasn't doing it for me. I was a little bit let down by it. I was expecting something better, bigger, maybe, you know, maybe I was just a little bit deflated. Maybe I expected too much. The War of Jokes and Riddles is an arc concerning the Riddler versus the Joker in the early days of Batman uh, fighting over Gotham City. 
and uh, all the other members of Batman's Rogue Gallery have taken sides, and it's just Gotham City is no man's land, and it's just all out war between the two supervillains. Um, now, the reason I'm saying it's knocking it out of the park is because this most recent issue, which was Batman number 29, deals with Bruce Wayne inviting the Riddler and the Joker over to dinner uh, <laughs> to sit at his table and try and talk out their differences and to try and decide, uh, basically to try and settle things because the city's been torn apart. And Batman is, he's thinking now, okay, so I invite them as Bruce Wayne, because obviously they don't know his identity or anything at this point. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I try to sort this out using money. Or, uh, and he, basically what he's looking for is he's looking for a way in. He's trying to get, he's using this, this dinner setting as a way to get a measure of the two guys the Riddler and the Joker, and to try and figure out which way... Because Batman's going to try and push the war one way or the other in order to end it. And he's going to, obviously, do his usual Batman thing and be awesome about it. Um, But the the way the comic is laid out, the way it's set out, it deals with it course by course. So, you know, as, as Alfred brings the courses in, all of Batman's Rose Gallery are in Wayne Manor eating dinner. <laughs> that um, sounds cool. Yeah, you know, that, that reminds me of um, Brian Fuller's Hannibal series. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a huge dinner table conversation, basically, and about like their motivations and things like that, and how they perceive each other and so forth. It's really it's really really good, actually. I'm I'm really impressed with this one. So yeah, and the other one that knocked it out of the park was uh, there was a comic concerning the origin of Kite Man. The tragic, tragic origin of Kite Man, which was so I'm not too familiar good. with uh, Kite Man. Yeah, not not many people are. Um, he's a bit of a B-lister, but yeah, they they they, they really they really do some nice stuff with it in this in this story. I'm really enjoying it. So yeah, I rescind my previous comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always nice when that happens. I know, I know, and you know what? Is this might be something that I go out and buy the trade of, even though I've got the actual comics. When it's finished, I might go and grab the trade because it's probably a nice trade to have, to be honest. The other thing that I think is currently knocking it out of the park is obviously TMNT Dimension X. Um, I don't on the Twitter account recently. I don't know if you saw this on my Twitter account. There was a, I think a Limbiscuit reference in one of the TMNT comics. What? Some, something that Raf says uh, in one panel. And I definitely missed this. Yeah, I got I got a little bit excited about it because Limbiscuit is cheese and. I quite like <laughs> quite like my cheesy music sometimes. So, but yeah. what was the reference? Because um, probably trying to avoid Game of Thrones spoilers. At the Leo time. Leo says something like "On to the next planet," and Raf responds with "Yeah, keep rolling, rolling, rolling." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was I was um, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed with TMNT Dimension X. It's great fun, it really is. As Turtles comics always are, they manage to keep the balance really well between fun and serious dramery type stuff so i'm always it's good escapism basically which is what we're all looking for when we read comics um my holiday reading uh was madman 
Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Madman at all. No, I'm uh, so not. the image run of Madman, um, which it was the inspiration for Freakazoid. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So if I'd seen an image, then uh, I would have been like, yes. But um, yeah, the name the name escaped me. But yeah, I'm, I've never read any, but I've always been aware of. Yeah, it's... Um, it's uh, the, the creator of uh, of this particular character is a man named Mike Alred, who is currently working on Silver Surfer comics for Marvel, um, which is you can you can really see it. It's this like it's the sort of you know the really trippy because um, Madman is very trippy as well, but it's it's this trippy cosmic story um, about this guy who was killed and then resurrected and all the weird science and kind of um 60s-esque trippy sci-fi that goes with it yeah yeah it's it's got that real kind of like surfer vibe about it as well like this this kind of like hippie surfer vibe and i really really enjoy it i i like the kind of chilled out the the fact that i can just switch my brain off and read this stuff and it's great for that i mean obviously it it, when i say switch my brain off i mean it's relaxing to read trippy sci-fi not as in you don't think about it because you do think and you do you do start to sort of see layers in it and things and it's really cool but it's it's a good thing to kind of just kick back and just like, like you know let it blow over so it's great holiday reading it's a trip for a trip as i've already said but yeah uh and the um the Silver Surfer comics, the current Silver Surfer comics, are much in the same vein, and I really am enjoying those as well. So, yeah, Mike Arred. Now, on to what we've actually been reading, in we've both been reading, that we're going to discuss for this episode. So, um, when, did you, you, when did you get back? You got back Sunday. I got back Saturday night. Saturday night, yeah. and you've already, like, read a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was sun that was sunday's job um my dear mother bless her um collected my comics for me for the two weeks that i was on holiday oh. so i sort of set remission and i sent them the money um when when i got back i was like look would you mind helping me out a little bit here because i don't know what's on my pool list anymore uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to miss if it's, you know, whether it will still be on the stands when I get back or not. So can you please go and collect my comics for me um, while I'm on holiday? And when I get back, we'll sort it out. And she's like, yeah, that's cool. I'll do that for you. So thanks, mum. <laughs> See, that that's love, man. Yeah, that right there is is what mums do. It's what mums are for. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but yeah, she was she was really good of her to collect my comics for me, bless her. So um, I came back and um, I I got my comic, picked up my comics off my mum, collecting them off her, and got to reading them, basically as soon as I could because I knew I'd need them for this. So the first one that I was excited about that I'd been hankering to read the whole time I was away was Dark Knight's Metal, um, and that. So- is- Oh. Like, can you give a bit of background on this? Like, where's it come from? Right. So, where do I start? This stuff has been brewing um, 
and hinted at and set up in um Snyder, well, Scott Snyder and uh, Greg Capullo, the, the two guys that were writing the Batman New 52 run. Hmm. Okay, so they've been setting this up um, since then with little little bits and pieces, little breadcrumbs that they've placed in different arcs within Batman New 52. And it's to do with um, immortality and various unearthly metals and uh, all of this pointing the way to an alternate dimension. Um, the, well, more than an alternate dimension, a collection of alternate dimensions, if that's the best way to describe it, a dark multiverse. Yeah, so like... Uh, and, so, and, so like the, the standard multiverse is like the 52, isn't it? And yeah, yes. Yeah. Another set. This is the Dark Fifty Two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Upside Down Land. Um, this is DC being super DC. Yeah. <laughs> this is DC going. How can we take DC and photocopy <laughs> it? And yeah, they, they DC AF. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, it's just all out typical comic book Magnus right here. Um, it's a stew pot of really good ideas, I think, actually. I quite like this idea um, that this has been something that's been happening since the dawn of time, that there were tribes of people built around the heroes that we see now. And it's all to do with nth metal, which, if you're familiar with DC, you know, nth metal plays a big role in various comics, and it's like a, a thing. Um, and it's it's got a lot to do with Hawk Hawkman, and um, it's very Batman centric, which is I think what I enjoy most about it. Uh, it. It deals with the fact that there's this dark multiverse, and the Dark Knights from this dark multiverse are planning an invasion, uh, and they're making their way forward. And Batman seemed to know something about this but in his usual batman way was being very very secretive about it and you know messing with things that he probably shouldn't mess around with and trying to take on too much by himself and i think he's ended up making a mess and now i think it's going to be his job to try and clean it up which i quite like the idea of so yeah i'm 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 excited about this i'm excited to see the uh dark knights that dc have been advertising in action we've it seems to be evil versions of batman with powers of various members of the justice league and one very special dark knight who is the batman it's called the batman who laughs who appears to be a kind of joker batman amalgam but when you look at the picture that's been released which i'll probably include with this podcast because it's a really cool picture but the picture of him that's been released and he's holding a tarot card for death um and the design itself it's got very like judge death look about him judge death from the um the 2000 ad judge dread comics who's yeah. like the kind of like dark version of judge dread basically because there were the dark judges who were kind of based on the four horsemen and at the same time not based on the four horsemen of the apocalypse but it's got that kind of feel about it um and i'm excited to see where it goes and how it pans out and the ideas that um scott snyder and capullo uh, greg capullo have because those two are 
probably two of my favourites. And when they work together, they work together very well. They have this fantastic synergy, and they were what they made the new Fifty Two Batman what it was, and and that was probably one of my favourite runs. So, it's some of my favourite arcs actually, New Fifty Two Batman. Yeah, I you mean, speak quite highly of them. I do. Yeah, I um. Of the classic, I mean, I, I love my classic Batman stuff as well, but this, the New 52 Batman, I think, for me, was something that I really enjoyed. So these two are a great team, and any output from them is well-received, I think, by me at least. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So what did you what did you make of it? Well, yeah, this is, uh, I mean, every comic I've ever read for this episode has been off your recommendation, um, as is normally the case. But yeah, I read this off there because you you know me like yeah I I do love my um my superhero comics but I, I really bounced off them uh, and then I only really started to enjoy either the classics or the stuff that um it's like one shots and like classic trades or graphic novels where it's just one like storyline which isn't always canon mm. that explores an element of the character. And a big chunk of that is because I hate all the background and story. I know they reset the universes constantly, but it's just always a hassle where, like, issue two of the new run, and they're already referring to, like, a million things that have happened. So it's generally why, unless I hear something amazing, I generally stay away, and especially for, like, uh, big event arcs, crossover arcs, I'm yeah. usually just not as interested yeah but when you um you were like sharing the the artwork um about for some of the stuff like um a couple of weeks ago um and that, the idea of it did seem quite interesting so that's why out of the recommendations this is one i thought like yeah let me give it a go let me let me see what see what's going on there be a be part of the zeitgeist for once and uh yeah no i quite i quite like it i mean some of the issues that I have with some of these things is that there's this weird sounds silly to explain it for like a superhero comic book, but there's this weird sort of wall of artifice I find sometimes. And there's that wall that there's like a barrier there and it's not a barrier that, Oh, they're speaking about in jargon about powers and stuff like that. It's not really that because like for each thing, I'm willing to jump into that world and take it on its own terms. It's not usually that, but it's usually there's this whole thing, usually to do with history, but um, it's often just this annoying sort of bulk, uh, this weight of just nonsense that I have to sort of sift through before I get to the cool stuff. Yeah, and and I don't remember having to do that as much when I was younger. But um, yeah, with this book, it is a really good starter. Um, I really love the uh, in media res start with uh, the Colosseum stuff. It like yeah, properly yeah. like uh, wrong footed me. I was thinking, oh, when does the uh, the Batman who laughs, laughs appears with all this? But instead, it's just a cool setup, and I it did remind me of some of my favorite things from uh, older Justice League comics, and even like the. Justice League, the Bruce Tim uh, Justice League cartoons. Yeah, um, yeah, where, yeah. Like it's the superheroes hanging out together, and um, in a okay, what's the conundrum of the week? And I mm. like 
that it starts off that way because it it sets a, a precedent for their trust and sort of camaraderie. And I I always have a soft spot for the Justice League hanging out together and calling each other Bruce and Clark and Diana. I always get a kick out of that. I yeah, don't think, even don't with think the, even with even with the masks on, yeah. So I don't understand. It's like you're in public, you're shouting <laughs> Bruce across the rooftops. But it does <laughs> feel like pretty much everyone knows. I know, I miss comic anyway. Yeah, but um, yeah, I thought it was a cool start. I really like the the Voltron style uh, robotic monsters. Oh yeah. that was that was a, a cool thing. Just and as again, Mecca. yeah, just as Mecca. And the thing is, that's only like. The cold open, so yeah, I, I yeah. thought that was cool. But yeah, I really like uh, the idea of them going back um, and sort. I, I love things where you've been with characters for a while, uh, and and again, it's a little I'm about to make a TV reference to to comics, like he always does. But um, you get to season five of a show, and then during season five, or at the start of season five it's a flashback and it's like 10,000 years before. And we're like, Oh no, this has been going on forever. And there's a, yeah. there's a, it's a this, this is, isn't just new. This isn't just the last 30 years of our characters. No, that this other thing has been waiting, lying dormant. And yeah. that's the thing that's happened in like loads of things. That I like like Buffy and yeah. various other things. So it's a cool trope that I like. And I think it's used really well here. Where, it's, what I, it's what I really like about this. Yeah. Yeah, they like place a cool importance on yeah. uh, Batman or the Wayne family, mm. and I, I like the idea of um, not this sort of chosen one thing, but flipped to make it more like a curse. Mm. Um, so that's why them f- literally flipping the page and saying there's fifty two dark universes um, doesn't bother me because. The comet has already sort of put his cards on the table. And yes, it's like we're taking this back, and we're going to do some crazy stuff. But also, it feels as well not as weighty as some of the other comics. Mm. So that's why I was wondering where this fell in the continuity because it doesn't feel like that much has happened. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of well, it's it's kind of hard to to kind of place it. I've it fits into into the continuity we've got going now because it's going to intersect with certain rebirth books, and there the characters are going to play like kind of like little. There's going to be tie-ins with some of the rebirth, books. so it, it's it's what's happening now. But these characters, they don't they don't change that drastically. It's not these guys are timeless. It's not. It's it's. It, I find this anyway sometimes that I can put down. Um, a Batman book, and then I can come back to a Batman, uh, another Batman book that's you know further down the timeline, and not have missed anything. Yeah, if you get me. Um, and the great thing about this one as well, uh, if you there's there's two one shots that came before it, which are Dark Days the Forge and Dark Days the Casting. Um, if you read those two one shots, it kind of summarizes and puts everything into context for you as well. So, I mean, as much as you say this first issue was great and you don't feel like you're missing anything anyway, if you do need a little bit of context or if you do need a little bit of, you know, like, you want to find out what, what's been happening or whatever, then if you read those two one-shots, 
you'll be you'll get a bit more sort of bit bit more sort of uh, idea of background. what's going on. Yeah, a bit more background. Yeah, because that that okay. sets it up nicely. They do. I, I quite like those two books as well. And this is this is what I think is, is nice about this event that it's all been set up nicely and it's all been put into place. It's not something that feels forced. Like they're doing it because they feel they need to reset the universe or anything because this doesn't feel like that at all. This just feels like something else. Yeah, it feels like an excuse for them to just just let just you know have some artistic freedom for once or something. Yeah, explore yeah. Ex- explore cool things about the characters that they mm. wanted to because as you yeah. were saying they they've been working on that new fifty two run, um, and it feels like this is an opportunity to really sort of dig in, not just with Batman, but uh, Batman's relationship with his family. Yeah, exactly. As in the Justice League. Yes. And um, I, I guess it's probably like the first big crossover that I've been hyped about, as in big superhero crossover, like main superhero comics, Marvel, DC, etc., that I've been interested in since uh, the new 52 Animal Man and Swamp Thing crossover, again with the New 52, um, which is basically the two of them going toe-to-toe with Anton Arcane. It's a crossover book it's called Rot World, where Anton Arcane has taken over um, the world in the future, and everything is based on rot and the power of rot, which is zombies, flies, that kind of stuff. Things that are rotting, things that are dead, death. Um and it is basically everyone who's got a link to the green or the red which are the forces of well the green is swamp thing his ability to control plants and the forces of plants and things like that on earth the red is animal man which is you know animals organic life and things like that um and you know he this is like the kingdom of the red which is animals things that have red blood uh, and the kingdom of the green which is plants and then there's the kingdom the, the rot basically which is the death death and, and the, the forces are constantly vying for control over each other um and they're always looking to assert the other one and take full control of the world and it's about keeping balance and harmony and rot world is what would happen if anton arcane took over and it's really great actually because it's it's people like Poison Ivy turning up because she's got an interest in the green and stuff like that, and it's really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, I mean that this is like the first big thing I've been excited for since that. So yeah. <laughs> so with, with this then, because at the end of this issue, you get the the checklist and yes. the yeah. limited series, the one shots on all the times. Mm-hmm. Now you know I hate crossovers. Yeah. So. Do you think I can survive reading just the the Dark Knights metal ones, and I guess the different Batman ones that pop up, like the one shot last, and yeah, and yeah the one found and all those, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I mean you can survive without the. Um, I think there's I, a. Is it? I a, don't need to read Suicide Squad and no, Green Arrow. And no, no, you don't have to. No. Teen Titans number 12. Yeah, it's Teen Titans and Green Arrow, isn't it? And those are the ones I was thinking There's of. There's a Nightwing one yeah, in there Yeah, Nightwing well. one, yeah. No, you don't, Flash. Don't, don't have to. I, don't, I think you can survive without those. Can I just read the ones with Batman yeah. or Dark in the title? Yeah, yeah. You could, <laughs> you could get away with just reading those. 
but the other ones provide a little bit of sort of side story you know yeah. like because you, you got that bit in this comic where batman's like okay scramble the family because there's a big mountain appeared in gotham and shit's going down um so those other comics will deal with how they deal with what's happening in gotham i guess they're the gotham yeah. resistance they're going to deal with they're going to they're going to deal with the um the human element of it and batman's going to be batman and deal with the big threat that's cool i think is the idea of it so yeah you it's like kind of like the the the, the kind of like the disaster relief comics i guess they'll be but yeah um so very good comic dark knights looking forward to the rest of it onwards to the next one another dc book um mr miracle uh the revival of one of jack kirby's characters one of his new gods um what did you reckon to this leon because i read this and instantly thought leon's gonna like this well my knowledge and experience of mr miracle um it's quite low it, i've always been that's that's thing. one of one of my uh comic book um shames where i i know more about it intellectually than actually have read it is um kirby's new god stuff yeah um and it's all they've always been on my list like his, his classic runs back then to go back and give them a read and it's constantly on my list and i never get around to do it doing it um and it forever lies on my list so when you recommended this one and said it was a, a very very leon book i thought okay this, this is cool because i'm expecting like new gods um to be referencing like characters from then and that that was very much a time where Kirby was going very um, sort of acid trip, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Very um, esoteric. So I, I was expecting uh, a modern a modern take on that, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, what I got, man, is uh, I mean, it is uh, esoteric and impressionist in ways, but man, it's so much more. It's so much more than just being the sort of uh, Kirby hat tip I was expecting um it's, it's really like deep and dark but also it, it plays like I mean not quite Lynchian but you know what I mean it's, yeah yeah, um, yeah you're on this weird trip for this like sad character's life and you're in his head but you don't really know where his head is you don't know and, whereabouts in his head you are either. Yeah, <laughs> you, you don't know what's real, what's not, and none none of the craziness is telegraphed. So it has this constant unsettling, not misery, but this this underlying just uh, dread. Yeah, dread, but also like sadness and sort of detachment because there are like big comic booky events especially how this comic ends yeah that um okay this is the thrust of the series but that doesn't feel like the thrust of the series the thrust of the series feels like all this crazy monologues and just pages of him not explicitly but him sort of dealing with 
like his life and yeah. it's amazing it's it's absolutely amazing and um i think the cover itself speaks volumes yeah because uh mr miracle um long yeah, story background yeah. yeah long story short mr miracle is um where do i start with this uh he's the world's what was his role? What he's, was his role he's the world's the greatest escape artist um and he's one of the new gods one of jack Kirby's new gods um he is this well he high father is his dad um and the high father rules new genesis which is the world that these that he comes from um which is kind of like the world that's at war with apocalypse and if you'd like the old new i mean i've not read tons and tons of this stuff i don't i'm not massively well versed in the new god stuff but um i think scott was raised on apocalypse um which is and, um but, yeah. superman bad guy dark side's planet scott, scott was raised by yeah with on, on apocalypse by dark side yeah um and orion is apocalypse's son and he ended up going and staying with high father um and it's it's all to do with that so it, it basically he endured horrible torture and brainwashing and things like that on the planet apocalypse is the idea um but he he came to earth he escaped he came to earth with big barda who um is the uh his i think they're married in this book yeah it feels that way yeah yeah um and he's on earth he he basically took the identity of the world's greatest escape artist mr miracle and he's been doing these tricks for some time now you know escapes everything um and he seems to have fallen into this kind of like this this, it just feels bleak really really bleak and i don't know if it's going to deal with his past trauma or something and and bring that to the fore as to why he feels how he feels but the, the one thing that he's never escaped is death and he has this this i don't know if he has this desire to attempt to escape death or if it's something that he he almost doesn't want to escape like he wants yeah. something he can't escape thought he can't escape from so why not try death well it feels like a someone trying to deal with um like purpose yeah and yeah that, yeah it feels like it's dealing with purpose and his place and trying to get a, a greater understanding of his raison d'etre because mm. he feels very lost yeah um and it like it opens with that really cool uh story which is um which is drawn so well and yeah. that, and that's one, one thing that's leading on to like the storytelling like the writing and the art together is so it's, it's hard to explain but it, it, it so perfectly tells this story without any gimmicks yeah i know it's it, it get it really perfectly conveys the bleakness because it has that for the for the most part it has that watchman-esque nine panel structure yeah on yeah. each page yeah uh and it, at, at an increasing level as we as you get through the book uh, one or two of those panels start to just say 
dark side is and yeah. you have you have no reference for what that is or what's going on yeah um but you, you have you have that and other weird subtle things going on so yeah. like I'm not going to go into any story details but there's a part later on where he's uh, talking to an old friend and in the artwork the over the character's eyes it's like tape mm. but it feels like it's in the texture yeah and yeah. it's kind of like that whole redacted tape, but it's not black. Instead, it's the colour of the art. But um, yeah, there's there's all types of just weird, unsettling things in the art which help sort of push and structure. And yeah, the, the writer is actually a bit of a master, a bit of a master at this kind of stuff. Because um, I don't know, are you familiar with um, the Vision, the recent yeah. Vision comics? Uh, the, the the family, the yeah. family vision. Yeah, 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 that's Tom King as well. Yeah, and that has I could, got. I that's could got feel the, yeah. some of that. That's got the 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 same kind of. Okay, something's on fire in the corner, but we're just gonna let that yeah. go, and just try and try and be normal. Try and be normal while something's on fire in the corner, kind of thing, you know. I mean, but, that's that's a great. I, I, I've read the first trade of that, and that's amazing. It is amazing, isn't it? It's great. Yeah, and but, this this very much feels like. Not even an extension, but like um, uh, an evolutionary step from that, in the sense that by going to the well on on this character who has this sort of dark history, it's able to sort of dig into some some meaty themes without the comic feeling like like hard work. Yeah, because um, all the stuff we're saying, oh, it's bleak, dark, it, it, like. Yeah, underlying it is, but don't let that um, put you off as yeah, in this is going to no. be some grey depression book because it's a colourful, expansive and expressive book that yeah, yeah. It, it, it knocks you off and makes you feel unsettled, but not in the way that, I don't know who this person is, where's the message from the editor? Yeah. Instead, it's, it's more of a case of, what's real and what isn't it puts you off kilter but it puts you off kilter in a nice way um and the the cover i was i was going to describe the cover itself because it's almost like he's on show to be dissected by the crowd yeah is the cover is him standing trapped in some kind of um well seemingly inescapable device chained bound clamped uh in front of a red curtain with uh, the crowd sort of looking on, waiting for him to do his tricks. And it, it's like he's kind of... You get that kind of dead eyes in a glass box on show yeah, thing out of it, which is kind of the tone of the whole book, really. Yeah. <laughs> and I love and, it. And I could, it'll, it'll just jump to sort of different styles. Yeah. But, uh, so, like, uh, there's like a TV interview part. Um, oh, I love that bit, the TV interview. Which has, like, static going through. Um, yeah. And, yeah, like, like I was saying, none of it feels like gimmicks. All of it feels in service of mm. sort of pushing us in through the story. And there's look, so many recurring lines uh, and themes going throughout. Yeah. It's, um, it's such a good issue one. And it's annoying that I, I read this now because <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to keep reading it no yeah, um, i can't i can't wait for the trade i can't because i yeah. need to i need to like follow this 
First, fi- final word on this, I think, is going to be Fight Club. Final two words. Because it, 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 for me, it, it's got that kind of mood about it. Where you don't quite... I mean, we all know what Fight Club is. Everyone knows the way Fight Club ends. Everyone knows what's going on in Fight Club. But it's got that kind of mood about it where you... Um, you know, you don't know, as you were saying at the beginning, you don't know whereabouts in this guy's head you are. You don't know what's real and what's not. And things like that. So Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, moving on from Mr. Miracle, another comic, um, which quite a bit to unpack in this one as well. Um, Sir Genius Cartel. Now, I didn't know, actually, uh, you know, shame on me, but I didn't know until probably half an hour before recording this episode that this is series two of the comic genius i thought genius cartel was a new thing but it's not there was a previous one uh simply called genius and um so the events in the first comics um that lead up to where we are with this issue that we've 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 read um deal with a young girl uniting the gangs of LA in order to take over and separate LA from the United States and make it like a separate sovereign nation i think is the idea and then um, that's in in response to like uh, police brutality yeah, and general systemic racism in response to racism the LAPD police brutality um it, and that kind of stuff uh, and and she's just sort of taken a stand. She's like, you know what? Enough's enough. She's united the gangs of LA, and they kind of go to war with the LAPD. Um, now, in this comic, we're at the end of that. It's happened. It's over. But what they've done is they've given her an option. She either gets executed, or she becomes part of a government program because she's she's like a she's, she is a genius as the title infers um she's a um almost unrivaled strategist and tactician and yeah. tactician yeah and with military precision you know the only way that they, they had to come to an agreement in order to get her to step down it's not like she lost the battle of the war for LA she she had to they had to come come to an agreement with her they had to they had to meet some terms yeah to actually get her to step down which i think is pretty cool um but anyway she she ends up at this uh this this place called the madrasa institute which is where they're training um people to run military ops and things like that and that they're, they're basically trying to train super soldiers super super smart soldiers i guess people with exceptional mental ability or uh, and she's she's like top of the class but she's got a real um how would you put it a real i mean it, in historically yeah. if you put as having an attitude problem. Not not an attitude problem. No, that's not the word I was looking for. Um, what do you call I mean, it? When... I mean, well, from what I say of that, like, because she uh, doesn't really respect authority in yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's also something that often gets pinned on, uh, like, uh, like black females as well. 
But w- what they've done really interestingly with that is that it's just because she's two steps ahead of everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the the thing I'm looking for, the thing that kind of worries them is the fact that she, she doesn't care. She'll do whatever is necessary in order to to get the required um to get to the required ending basically yeah uh and and i still can't find the word i was looking for what do you call someone a sociopath well that's what um someone thinks she is isn't it yeah she's got like a sociopathic streak as in she uh, she has no con- actual real connections with Anyone. other people yeah no she, she she's, she's, she's just goal orientated exactly willing to sacrifice anyone and anything but we don't know if that's entirely true because it come it does come off that way sometimes but you don't know if there's if if there's something else there i mean especially towards the end of this book you don't know if she's just putting a front on or what but um yeah, I I really enjoyed this first issue. I mean, I as I I went into it not knowing there was a history here. You know, I I just thought this bit at the beginning of the book I thought that was where it started. Yeah, but, same. <laughs> yeah, but you know, obviously there's there's, you know, some previous to read there, so there's some homework for both of us, but yeah, no, I I'm I'm quite I I like that. I like being able to pick up a book and just jump straight into it. Without well, worrying a, about the the past of thing, it's, it's, it, this is like if you want to jump in on point, this is this is a, this is like the uh, the how do I? This is the oh, it's another word that's on the tip of my tongue. I keep losing <laughs> words; words just fall out. Um, this is the uh, archetype for jumping on points. This is what people should look to when they want to build a jumping on point. It's, it's definitely good, and like for someone like me, I get to have my cake and eat it because, yeah, I've, I've drawn this new story um, uh, that seems very interesting and has a good hook at the end. But also, while I'm waiting now, I can uh, I can track down the first because, uh, yeah, like when you you recommend to me, I thought it was genius cartel, and I was wondering why the cartel was fonted differently. Yeah. And now I know it's volume two. <laughs> I, I was wondering why, um, how the um, the sort of montage at the beginning. Yeah. I, f- I thought it was so well thought out and so well um, illustrated that I was thinking like, wow, they're not even going to show us the siege for LA, but it seems like they've really like dug in and had a proper deep history with it. And, like that, you could have a whole comic on it, <laughs> and apparently, <laughs> apparently you do, yeah. <laughs> apparently, there's a, there's a whole trade about it. So, <laughs> but like, uh, most of my notes are, are are based on the fact of me thinking this was the number one. But yeah. I mean, a lot a lot of them still still stand true because I, I really liked how. Um, so like, it seems like a cool team here because you have the writers. You got like Mark Bernardin and Adam Freeman. Yeah. Who I believe worked together before. Um, on the art, you have uh, Rossi Camper, and the colours are Brad Simpson. And I think the team do a lot of good in terms of character design. Yeah, uh, I think Destiny, the the lead character, I think she looks really cool. It's quite a sh- striking um, character, like cool braids, but doesn't 
come come off as over sexualized in any way, which is often the thing with like female protagonist characters. Mm. So I, I thought that's pretty cool. Um, I like the uh, I like the the use of like the history and like Black Lives Matters being used as an anchor, but not feeling forced. It doesn't feel like oh buzzword or oh this is hot in the news right now. Let's do yeah. this. Yeah. Instead, it feels like. Instead, it feels like the good a good sort of launching pad for yeah. this type of story mm, and yeah. what you would do with with this type of character. Um, and I really like how with this you're not just dealing with like it's not just Kingsman. Uh, like it's not just oh she's been recruited and she's really smart and awesome and everything. Yeah. Uh, instead it's um, okay we've got someone who we've made an unholy alliance with who's who's insanely smart yeah how do we control her she's fucking dangerous is what she is yeah yeah I I think that's really cool and I know I do love that she's rebellious but she's not grating as I was saying earlier she's just ahead of the curve she's two steps ahead yeah and i I think that's quite cool because you can easily have this like sort of know-it-all character come off as really annoying but instead it's more a case of i've i can see through your crap like yeah instantly she just knows already like in in it's you know i'm i'll be i I'm hooked. I want to see what happens next. I want to see what she's going to do. Because she's got a plan. She's not going to stay there. She's, you know... Yeah. Yeah, something's going to happen and she's going to go rogue or something. Yeah, and I I love the use of the quotes at the beginning, like playing off the Einstein quote about genius against the Holbrook-Jackson one of genius is initiative on fire. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Because she's kind of a combination of the two of them. The, both of those quotes describe her. Yeah, and it, it's cool how in this instance it feels like she's genius to survive. Like, like it, it feels like she's not just some know-it-all, but instead yeah. she's she's this great tactician because she uses it to survive. And it, it makes me interested to see what the arc was of the previous um, uh, volume mm, because yeah, uh, no. I'd like to see how she got to, to, to this spot. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have to go back and read that for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a, it's a really good sci-fi military thriller and I urge you to go out and read it because I think it's fantastic. And if you, well, yeah, go back and read the previous bit first because it's kind of, kind of spoiled any kind of well a lo- some comments and thoughts that i had on it because now uh, now knowing half an hour before recording this show now knowing that there was a previous um a previous lump of comics to go with it it's like oh i can't well yeah but yeah go back and read the previous and definitely catch up and read this because it's great or even just jump in and read this because it kind of summarizes it. It, 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 it. It's a good jumping on point, anyway. It, I mean, like like me and me and Leon have, have 
just described to you you don't feel like you have to have read anything to enjoy this comic um so the next two i guess are ones that i've read neon hasn't um so um ones i wanted to talk about we've got uh galacticon number one now this is a comic book based on an album music written by a man named brendan small who is your guy behind death clock uh metalocalypse uh he is great i love his music he's um it's always infused with kind of it's kind of always a little bit tongue-in-cheek like the way he um the, the way he writes his lyrics and stuff, it's not. You know. Oh, hold on. This yeah. is this is the same. Uh, Brendan Small who created Home Movie. That's him. That's him. Cartoon that I yeah. love. Yeah, this is the guy. This is the guy. I, I didn't know he did music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you, do you not? You ever watched Death Clock? Um, Metalocalypse. Yeah, I, I, I saw bits and bobs of that. That, yeah. that was, was coming around while I was bouncing off the, of Adult Swim. All the music's but... him. So, and he's uh, he he's done um, this this album called Galacticon, which is a concept album about a uh, galactic hero named Triton who is having a bad time going through a divorce. <laughs> um, and it's space opera punk sci-fi real stuff like you know the the, the way <laughs> <laughs> the music is fantastic i've been listening to it while i was on holiday i had the album uh downloaded and i was i was sitting and listening to that in my sort of like downtime while i was on holiday traveling between places and things um and the um the comic itself, this comic is based on the first album. There's a second album coming out this Friday, the 25th, the Galacticon 2. This is all based on the first album, though, this comic. And the book opens, and this guy Triton, he's a bit of an asshole. Uh, turns out his uh, his wife, who is like a galactic fashionista blogger and uh, journalist, who met him by you know, covering the stories of when he's thwarted, like, huge evil monsters and stuff, um, and kind of gotten into trouble, and he's saved her a few times. Uh, he's divorcing, she's divorcing him because, apparently, he never took the helmet off around her at home. He always kept his helmet on. He's got, like, this cool space helmet thing that he always keeps, apparently, he always kept it on, never took it off. Uh, and um, he got caught sending dick pics to a apparently underage stripper on another planet um but but she's only technically underage because this planet's bigger and takes longer to go around the sun or something so technically (laughs) she's she's 18 by the years on the planet that he's from but on her planet she's still only 17 or something like that (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but yeah he, he sent dick pics and he got caught sending dick pics and his dick pics got leaked um and the book opens with him sitting in a bar with his divorce lawyer and his robot called uh, T1TIS. I think it's T1TIS. Just call him Tits. 
uh, <laughs> sitting in a bar and he's getting absolutely smashed and it's like he's about to go to his divorce hearing and he's like oh another drink and he go basically goes to his divorce hearing smashed which <laughs> which i think is brilliant and he loses everything he, he he loses his 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 condo fortress he loses everything um sounds brutal yeah it's, it's absolutely brutal but it's it's also very true they and and i just love the fact that in this book they have a whole planet devoted to divorce mediation um and it's i don't know i you've if you've seen people going through divorce and and like you know the way people deal with things and stuff like that and people know they've done something wrong but maybe they're getting punished you know they're getting punished for it and the guy's hitting rock bottom and it's you know it's funny at the same time because they they managed to infuse a lot of comedy in it. I I really enjoyed this first book. I really did. And the artwork has got this kind of like um, album sleeve quality about it, while still being, you know, great comic art and, and very cartoon. It's, it, I like the fact that it's got this kind of like this this album sleeve thing, this extreme rock uh, punk album sleeve thing going on. Little bits just kind of like creeping in there, which I think is really cool. A little bit of you know. Um, roughness a little bit of crust to it which is, is really nice it, it's the humor like in, in a similar vein to his previous work um i i'm not massively familiar with anything outside of metalocalypse that this guy's mm. done um i mean yeah it's it's got it's gotten it's sim i guess it's a similar kind of tone to metalocalypse um from what i've seen of metalocalypse uh, yeah. But I'm not, I mean, I'm not massively familiar with home movies and things like that. Not like you will be. Well, so. it's more of the case of like for his stuff, it's sort of um, like laughs gained, but from sort of uh, just the depressing yeah, laughs mediocrity gained. of life. It's yeah. not big, it's not big punchlines. Instead, yeah. it's just situations where well, you're just well, like, that's it. You've got, you've got this, 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 that's it. Cause you've got, you've got this wonderful, galactic world that he's built with these alien races and things like that and he's done something as normal as having this guy get divorced and have that be the main line yeah. of the book you know this guy's like a galactic hero he's saved planets he's beaten huge alien warlords and stuff like that but we're following him through his divorce <laughs> <laughs> so but one of the really interesting things about this book as well that i thought was amazing and now i'm sorry that i can't play guitar um, I might have to get my brother to play these out and try and uh, record them so I can listen to them. Um, it's uh, the robot uh, speaks via guitar tabs. Okay. And there's guidelines for how to set up your guitars and your various effects pedals and things like that. Um, so that when you play the tabs, that this guy speaks, you play the tabs and it sounds like robot voice. So you play out what he's saying. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, which I thought was a really nice touch, being as it's a, it's a musical book anyway. I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, and it's it's reminds me of the Guar comic that I've been reading, but obviously way less extreme and way less um, vulgar and over the top. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's great fun escapism, and like you said, it's just it's comedy in the mediocre and the mundane. In this in this huge galactic buffet of a setting, you got all the comedy is in the mediocre and the mundane, which I really like. I think it's great. 
Um, and I'd it, again, I'd recommend it to, to anyone if you can go out if you can find issue one, go out and read it, listen to it. In fact, buy the albums. I, I think I'm going to buy number two on, on Friday when that drops because I really enjoyed the first one. Um, I, I really like the music; it's great. Uh, it's um, it, it's kind of like heavy metal opera. Kind of feels like it's got like this rock opera vibe, but it's heavy metal. You know, mm. because it's a concept album and and it's got a story to tell. Yeah. So I guess I can imagine stage stars in these like these these costumes, these like sci-fi outfits, just just belting it out over these like people smashing guitars. It's great. Um, the next one, the last one that I wanted to talk about was Redlands, which I've been very excited about, and I've mentioned before on this podcast has been excited about it. Um, this is a book concerning occult horror and witches. Um, you've got this little sleepy ton town, town, ton town, that is run by, um, we're going to call them asshole police force. Um, it's, uh, I think it's, this is set in the seventies, I believe. Um, uh, yeah, Redlands, Florida, 1977. Um, and these cops are they're losing control of the town and the book opens with um they the the police seem to be under siege in the police station and before you know that they're not nice people you're like okay um so police under siege dark forces and things like that and you think am i supposed to root for the cops and then it, it you you see it and you're like okay i'm not supposed to root for the cops this is amazing uh because you're actually rooting for the witches and the um they're actually the 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 dark magic and the demons and everything else it's like it turns on his head because they're actually the good guys um the police have captured these witches and they're try they've tried to lynch them which has gone horribly wrong trees on fire uh, they're under siege from these these uh, three women, this coven, um, and it, the first book it follows them getting picked off one by one inside the station, uh, and the uh, the witches ultimately take over the town. So where it will go from there, I don't know, but they're now in charge, uh, and it is it's a really really good at putting forward urgency and claustrophobic horror like the way the artwork is it's just like it's got this this beautiful urgency and abrasiveness about it the way it's drawn and the way it's scratches at you when you look at it it just feels um you, you can you can feel it you can feel what's going on in that you can feel their fear in the station yeah. the way the lighting is uh, the way they've chosen to, to ink it with the lighting and stuff, it's it's very dark and, and the, you know, it, it it's lit entirely by the fire that's going on outside the station in places and it's just it, tones of, you know, tones of orange and brown and red, yeah. kind of Halloween-y. Um, and I, you know, I've been excited about this for some time because I like I like my horror books, I like my occult stuff and I, I, I think this is fantastic. Um... And the way, yeah, this yeah. this one is one that I was gonna 
pick up, but I didn't get around to reading the issue this week, so I'll probably talk about uh, issue one on our next episode. Mm, yeah, no, definitely, yeah, because it's, it's, it's something that I can see you enjoying. Um, it's it's a, there's a great bit at the back of the book as well. There's a great little uh, quote thing which I won't read out because I think it's fantastic and you should buy the book to read it. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I the writing's fantastic as well. It's it's so so wonderful to see a horror book like this and to to be able to to root for the um you know to be rooting for the witches as well is great i like it so this this was done by um so vanessa del rey and jordi belair okay yeah uh with uh clayton cows as well oh cool yeah um, this is an image. This is an image one. It is an image book, yes. Yeah. Another image book, because we like our image books. So this in, and Genius Cartel is also an image book. Well, it's like is it like Top Cow it's, and Image? It's Top Cow via Image, yeah. Because yeah. you've got you've got all these other ones that that publish via Image. Yeah, this is Top Cow via Image, I think. Um, so yeah, um, Galacticon, by the way, if you want to know, is Albatross, which are the people that brought you Narmolf. And hillbilly. Um, yeah. So I mean, yeah. Red Redlands. Um, I've not got a lot to say about it because I think I've been that excited about it. It's, you know, it's something that's just. I, I can only say it's good in so many different ways. If that makes sense. Yeah. Before it gets redundant. Or... Before I get redundant and start repeating myself about how great this book is, and I don't want to spoil it too much because there's some great events in these pages, and it's just such a beautiful book, artwork-wise yeah. as well. You just the need cover, to read it. The, the cover artwork looks mm. amazing. Yeah, the cover's fantastic with the, the snakes the hand and, and the, the hands. Yeah. yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's it's so it's witches in the south. It's everything that I wanted it to be. We need more books about the occult is what we need if this and Winnebago Graveyard have taught anyone out there anything it's you know we need more horror books about the occult we need more horror movies about the occult we don't have enough of that anymore you know they don't make them very much anymore it seems to be something that seems to have um, fallen back a little bit yeah I I think that they're probably on the rise back, mm. um, and I think uh, not to go too deep into anything, but I think like good horror is, is usually not a reaction, but it, it often deals with uh, a, a facet of the psychology of the current times. Indeed, and yeah. Our current times are generating some pretty good art, so because of how they are, so I think. Um, our, our sci-fi and horror for the next couple of years are going to be very interesting and it wouldn't surprise me if we get a massive influx of more occult horror books yeah no definitely i'm i'm into it please <laughs> um so yeah that brings me to the end of my my stack well not my 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 stack's not little but that's the little stack next to the stack <laughs> all right mate. you don't need to get your stack out the stack you know how big your stack is the stack of books i've read it's <laughs> depressing well it's not depressing it's beautiful but it's also you know crushing um so and if you knock it over yeah yeah if i knock it over i'll die 
it's holding my uh, house up at the moment. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's a, a few books, uh, things coming out this week. Uh, this this um, podcast is going to be released on the 23rd of the 8th, 2017. So some of the books that we're excited for that are coming out this week. We've got Generation Gone at number two, Redneck number five. Um, Girl Scouts, Magic Socks, number four, Shirtless Bear Fighter, number three, and Moonstruck, number two. So uh, Rahul wanted me to mention Girl Scouts and Moonstruck because those are two books that he's currently following. Um, we've, um, yeah, um, I mean, other things that are coming out this week that I'm excited about is Underwinter, number six, which um, I've been following and I'm hoping this is going to give me some closure now because I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I need to know what this is all about. What's going on in this crazy horrible Cameroon? Um, and um, if you if you, you you like your Marvel comics, there's the Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man three, which is really good. Uh, it's been really good so far. Um, first two issues were great, so it's, it's a good great Spider-Man book. I think we've talked about that before. Um, we have some questions today, don't we, Leon? Yes, yes, we do. Yes. Um, maybe we should ask the uh, fun question and then the deep question. Yeah, let's do the fun question first. So, well, they're both fun questions in a way, um, as in, you know, we like getting questions. But yeah, I mean, when we say fun question, we mean the question that's not so uh, not so serious. So the well, I, I don't know what you're saying. This, this question's quite serious. Yeah, this question's quite serious. Coming from Rahul, I think. I think this is a, <laughs> this is a pretty um, this is something that I'm certainly been wrestling with and grappling with since he asked it. So Rahul from his holidays has asked. I read the new Bill and Ted comic, and it made me think of the battle with death in Bill and Ted's bogus journey. I've also been reading Batman, Fusion Dance. If you had to pay for your uh, to play for your life against Batman, what game would you choose, and why do you think it would help? So that's a tough one. It's a very hard one because, as I've been thinking, uh, any any uh, game you play with Batman, it's going to end in Batman winning because he's a master strategist, and that's what he does. Um. He's, so what he's, would you do? He prides himself on being two moves ahead of everyone. How are you going to beat him? Well, I don't think I could beat him unless there was another arm to this scenario. So what I'm going to propose is the Riddler has taken hostages across Gotham. <laughs> and Batman is a prisoner of the Riddler. He's sitting at a table. And he must play various games with various people. He has to lose or they die. But if he wins, uh, sorry, if, if they win, he dies. So it's, it's a catch catch 22 here. So so if the, the, the hostages win, Batman or, or one of Batman's family, even we'll say one of the Robins or something, will be executed. But if Batman wins, one of the, host- the hostage dies that lost. So, um, sorry, if the hostage wins, then uh, Robin executed. Yeah, if Batman wins, the hostage is executed. Get it the right way around. So that this is what I was thinking of. This is all I could think of. I couldn't think of what game I would play with him. I was just thinking about how it would work. 
So you trick the Batman. You'd have to. He's the only way, but even he'd then... He'd find a way. He'd, he'd find he'd, a way. <laughs> there's something in the utility belt where he's thought about this before. Well, it's not a utility belt even. It's probably because he's got, like, Alfred on comms and Alfred's feeding him <laughs> chess strategies or something, you know. <laughs> but then Bruce probably knows these chess strategies anyway because it's Bruce. Like, how do you beat this guy at anything? I, uh, to pick a game that I'd play him at... Uh, oh... <sighs> I'm just going to plump for something like, um, let's go with Kaplunk. Kaplunk? You think you're going to beat <laughs> the world's greatest detective at Kaplunk? Well, it's less about being a detective and more about luck, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, but he's, he, he's dealt with enemies who live with luck, <laughs> rely on luck. I know, but the, the, the you know the most harmless thing I could think of was Kaplunk. It's like that, that okay that that's that's the only thing where neither of us. Well, I think trying to think of games where neither of us will have a, a, a tactical edge, and I thought Kaplunk's it because <laughs> you're just pulling straws until marbles fall, right? Yeah. So <laughs> that was that was the best thing I could come up with to put us on even playing field. Uh, but yeah, I mean. I, I had this whole Riddler scenario going off in my head the whole time as well. So, <laughs> or either that or uh, Batman versus the Riddler and every time Batman loses a chess piece or something, Riddler tries to execute someone and Robin or Nightwing gets there just in time to stop from happening because that's what Batman would do. I don't know. Um, what do you reckon? What would your game be? This is Batman. Like, He's going to win whatever happens. So you just have to go savage. Because I'm, I'm sorry. For me, it would be uh, like Batarang Archery. So throwing, throwing the little, uh, the Batman, the bat-shaped ninja stars at targets. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, but how can you beat Batman? He's like going to have epic accuracy. He's going to hit the target every time. No, no, no. I control these targets. On each target is a picture of him with his family, his parents. Oh, you're going to put Thomas and Martha Wayne on each target. That's that's something... That's is dark. Bruce, does Bruce have the mental capacity to be able to deal with that? <laughs> the mental fortitude to be able to throw a batarang into his father's face? I don't think so. So what, what we're saying is we have to become supervillains. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, if comics have taught me anything, is that if you want to... If you want to win these crazy hijinks you've got to go full evil so basic basically what what we're talking about is that we'd have to become part of his rogues gallery in order to stand a chance i would love to be one of batman's rogues. to the yeah. honor of joining the best rogues gallery in comics um, would be would be amazing yeah joining batman other ideas i had uh games that his uh other members of his rogues gallery might play with him um i think two-face would love a game of othello yeah uh <laughs> and i think um I think that um, the uh, the penguin is quite partial to uh, Monopoly. And then, what do you think about that? Yeah, I could see yeah. Cobblepot being being down with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which um, which piece? Oh, um, that to be the top hat, really. Yeah, clearly the top hat. He'd have Unless to Mad, Mad Hat is playing, then no, he'd be he'd be the top hat, and uh, Batman be the sports car. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, because yeah, it'd just be the two of them. Uh, but yeah, no. those those are the... <clears throat> no, another harsh game, actually, that yeah. you could do. This one's even worse than the one before. Yeah. Is a drinking game. Me and Bruce sat on the sofa. <laughs> you think you can out-drink the bat? Yes, but what I've done is put on the movies Batman and Robin and Suicide Squad. <laughs> and any time you want a facepalm, any time something facepalm-worthy happens on screen, you have to take a shot. Oh, my he God. He ain't beating me. He ain't beating me. <laughs> All the way through Batman and Robin? He ain't beating me. <laughs> You get all the way through Batman and Robin without putting your head in your hands once. No, I mean, Batman's been up against some crazy stuff, but I don't think he's prepared for his own the double whammy of that. <laughs> <laughs> his own back catalogue. You could finish him off with uh, Bruce Carey's Riddler performance. I, I, uh, Jim, I think... Bruce Carey, Jim Carey. <laughs> Bruce on the brain, man. Uh, Jim Carey's the best thing in that movie. Yeah. Though. But I, I think um, these games would cause Batman to break his rule and kill me, so... You think... Yeah, it's dangerous. Probably. probably. <laughs> Dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Well no, he'd he'd um he'd just he'd do his like killing you without killing you thing where he just like uh, not gonna save me. Yeah, washes his hands of it. Yeah. Kind of thing. You know, it's like, well it's your fault this happened and washes his hands of it kind of thing. Like you you fell out of the window and I just chose not <laughs> yeah, to catch you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um so uh, I think we've answered that one quite. Um... We've given it a lot more yeah. thought than it deserves. <laughs> a lot more thought than we needed to, I think. Um, on to the next email, which is quite well. The the email that we got, which is the question, which is quite quite a thought provoking question, a very good question actually. I quite like yeah. this question. Um, so uh, it's a question from James. Uh, James sent us a question previously. People um, should uh, put where they're from as well. Yeah, yeah. People should tell us where they're from, like, uh, like, like the old days with uh, you know when you used to send questions and things to CITV or whatever. Via postcard. Yeah, on a stamped address envelope, a stamp, stamped address, <laughs> postcard envelope, whatever. Um, so James says, "Hi guys, I've been thinking about the hashtag Make My Milkshake, which you mentioned in the last podcast, and I'm wondering if this is just an unfortunate symptom of how the industry treats female characters." A couple of years back, Milo Manara was widely criticised for his over-sexualised Spider-Woman cover, but many female heroes are still drawn worn the skim- wearing the skimpiest of outfits, while others are fridged as a lazy plot device, which we have touched on before on this podcast. Marvel has created a number of interesting female heroes over the years, but it seems to be very reluctant to have them headlining at the cinema. Scarlett Johansson has played Black Widow in five films over seven years, but now, uh, now five years over five films over seven years now. But despite being the most high-profile female hero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, still doesn't appear to be any plans to give her her own movie, which we also think is a crying shame. I think uh, at the moment it's looking like Marvel Studios' first headlining female hero in the cinema will be Captain Marvel in 2019. DC has recently had great success with the Wonder Woman film, which shows there is a demand for strong leading ladies at the cinema. Do you feel that the industry is creating a more inclusive fan culture, or is it inadvertently creating a misogynistic one? If so, how would you go about changing it? Also, have you noticed any differences in how Marvel and DC and Image portray women? Thanks, James. So, 
there's a lot to unpack there there is it's um it's quite a meaty question thank you it Jane. is it is um, uh, I, I think the best way to tackle it is just to go answer the questions he's put in terms of the the points at the end so i mean do we feel the industry is creating a more inclusive culture or do you think it's inadvertently creating a misogynistic one i i think that it, it's quite complicated that one but i wouldn't say it's creating i think in terms of fan culture historically a lot of this stuff and when we say fa- fan culture we're talking uh comics video games uh to a degree like action movies and cartoons Saturday morning cartoons a lot of these things were aimed historically at uh boys and uh, teenage uh boys i guess yeah um and that's where a lot of the target has been uh for decades and decades and decades and the problem or the sort of side effects you get with that is that despite more and more evidence of people who don't fall into that bracket namely girls and teenage girls is that you have a lot of people um, not being served, um, which makes no sense for many reasons. Um, on a cynical level, makes no sense financially because you're putting, leaving money on the table. And a lot of the time with things like these, um, going back to like the Scarlett Johansson um, Black Widow not, not having her own film, is that the argument is always movies like Elektra and Catwoman, which are both terrible movies, they failed, so there's yeah, no audience who but wants they, to pay. But they didn't fail because the fact that they were female characters, they failed because they were awful films. Mm. And and also, they were widely sort of part of an, an era where they were making films that people didn't really want. Yeah, if, you know no, one, I mean? like, no one, no one was asking for an electro. Electro was a subpar Daredevil film. Bear in mind that Daredevil movie wasn't widely loved itself. Yeah, and let's not even talk about. Uh, no, we're not going to talk about Halle Berry's movie. Catwoman because that thing, is, that is an abomination. <laughs> yeah. That film, but it, it's striking because the the Black Widow thing during that time, like in between her first taking the character. And her, her, like the most recent film we, we've had her in, Civil War, um, she starred in uh, Luc Besson's. Uh, she headlined Luc Besson's um, Lucy, where she plays a character who pretty much has superpowers, uh, and that movie did really well at the US box office. Um, so it just shows you that. I mean, and obviously that had no um, background either, as in it wasn't part of an established IP. No. So it shows you that. It's kind of kind of BS, but we've seen this before. I mean, Marvel owned by Disney, and they've been terrible even with like getting the action figures out. And I think all of this stems from old best practices. Yeah, but... it's um, it, it's a symptom of the age of the industry. And like you said, it's where they've um, for so long things have been a certain way and they've they've marketed things towards certain people a certain group of people 
which were the only people that were consuming it but is that because it was marketed towards them or is that because it was them in the beginning we don't know but mm-hmm. um it, it's it's been that way for so long that it's now part of some of this stuff that you're talking about with with um it's it's like these 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 guys in charge are frightened almost to tr- to change their practices like they're scared they'll that they cuz they that they're scared to lose money by doing that i don't yeah, know yeah or or unwilling to yeah. take the risk as much but i mean yeah. like going back to that question i don't think I, like i one the first part of it i th- i do feel that the industry is definitely taking these things on board um and i think we are especially if you look at places like uh say marvel comics uh and looking at the films as well now um i do think that they are trying to create a more uh, inclusive fan culture whether that be by gender or whether that be by uh, race or 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 what, what whatever like I, I think that you can, we're starting to see a lot more effort being put in there i mean you, you get you get a bit of kickback with that like with the recent semi recent uh, marvel stuff say with like certain people blaming the the lower sales instead instead of blaming it on the endless um crossovers they have constantly which n- nobody seems to like yeah, blaming just... it on diversity instead but as you've seen like there, a lot of these uh quote unquote diverse or inclusive films uh films or um comics are actually um doing well and um creating a good basis for a lot of the other wings um like toys and like the movies so i i, I do think each different studio, especially the big two, are making greater strides. Yeah. Um, uh, and in terms of inadvertently creating ones, I, I, def- I don't think they are creating it actively, in, in, but more uh, supporting and not pushing back as much. So I think historically, because of that risk-averse nature, they, they may have um, contributed to it. But I don't think they necess- necess- necessarily... Uh, created one so then from that to go on to the next question which is if so how would you go about changing it i mean i don't think it's uh, like the uh, an easy problem to be fixed because it's quite a big ship that needs turning but i mean the very least i think each of these studios could do the very least is hire more women writers and artists and editors and letterers yeah hire more um women producers um and and screenwriters um and i mean that goes for for every uh uh every group really that is un- underrepresented like p- people complain about uh that M- minara comic because it was <laughs> it was just ridiculous and it didn't really seem to have any bearing on actual anatomy um so, like, instead of coming off as sexy, which he wanted to, it just came across as just awkward. Um, and we get loads, we've got loads of uh, female artists and stuff drawing the characters in, like, sexy outfits. Because the thing is, like, sexy isn't a synonym for uh, sexist. Um, and I think there's a big difference between objectified characters in a particular way 
or characters who are comfortable and confident in their sort of sexuality and body. So I think I, I don't think there's there's a binary there. But I, I I would definitely say the way that we can fix this is to have more people in the room, more people creating. And I think that more chances should be taken on uh, books that don't specifically fit the old mold because as as much as people can say XYZ, this doesn't sell, it's not true. I mean, uh, I think it was just this week, um, Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman film has passed uh, 800 uh, million worldwide, which is the highest for any comic origin movie, man or woman. Exactly. It, it, it's a fantastic film, and rightly so. It deserves it. Um, I think, for me to answer this, um, do I feel the industry is creating a more inclusive fan culture? Yes, I feel they are trying very hard to. Um, I mean, as you've said, Leon, they can do more by hiring more female or, or artists and, and writers and things like that. They could hire, you know, more minority writers and artists and things just to just to get those people in the room. Because as we've we've discussed before, the problem is sometimes that you've got a room full of people deciding on what should happen with certain characters who have no idea what it would be like to be those characters because they've got nothing to do with that life or the, the way those people are. And um, you, you often see ham-fisted attempts yeah. to tokenize certain characters exactly. based on uh, very uh, base representation and stereotypes, yeah. so which is also can be a problem as well. Yeah, and it, you need these people in the room you need women in the room, you need minority, people of minorities in the room to be able to give, you know, to, to, to be able to do this properly. And I, I think the, I think the industry is trying, but do I think, it, I think it's something that's going to happen gradually. Um, because as you said, there's a lot of pushback from um, longtime fans and the fact that the industry itself seems to be scared to put its feet in the water a little bit because hmm. i don't know why because there's definitely a market out there we 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 know there's a market out there what are they scared of we don't know um how would i go about change do i think that it's invertedly creating a misogynistic fan culture um it's a difficult one to answer because i don't think if they are they're not doing it on purpose um, I think what they're doing is uh, when you when you say creating a misogynistic fan culture, are you talking about the way fans treat other fans? Because if you're talking about that, I think what's happening is you've got these people that aren't happy with the way comics are going, that aren't happy with the fact that comics aren't just for them now and that they have to share and they seem to be pushing back and pushing back in such a way that they these this this i don't know if they're this relatively small group well this this sort of like relatively small portion of the fan base of these uh studios um pushing back at what they see as an infringement on what was once their safe space the space that was just for them they see it as an infringement on a space that was but it was never just for them comics were never just for them comics are and always will be for everybody people have just have to learn to share i guess 
Um, how would I go about changing it? Uh, as I've already said, I'd hire more people that have experienced the things that these people want to write about. I'd hire more female writers and artists and things like that. Um, and have you noticed any differences in how Marvel, DC or Image portray women? Um, I think Image are the leaders in this at the moment. I don't know if you'd agree with me. I'd um, say so. But yeah. I think that's down to them being uh, more indie in a way and yeah. more, having more creator-controlled comics. They are. And they're, they're, they're more... They're, they're better that way because they seem to be like, well, if you don't like it, don't read it. We don't care. They don't. They don't seem to be trying to please people or pander to 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 everyone in order to get readers and things. Because because Image will put out what they want to put out, and they will put out the right stuff, and they will do things properly. And they'll be like, okay, don't like it, don't read it. Whereas Marvel and DC will put something out, and they'll put something great out, and you know it will be really good. It will be something that is for everyone. It will be something that pushes boundaries which we need but then they will end up having to backtrack on it or something because people will be angry about it certain certain collection of fans will be angry about it and and that will sort of like scare marvel and dc a little bit about you know kind of what have we done this fury and they don't it doesn't feel like they're willing to to take the same kind of dive that image do which is a shame because there's a lot that they could do if they did. I mean, they are doing it. They're gradually... The, the, the industry is changing gradually and it's changing for the better and it's what we want. But uh, I, I don't think it's something that's going to happen very quick. And I think there's going to be a lot of... There's going to be this... There's going to be a long, long, awkward phase before it peters out and we have the harmony that we want and comics are a game for everyone and people aren't arguing over stuff that they... Sh- you know... Like milkshakes. Yeah, yeah. Why but, can't... Um, I, I mean, what, what I'll just say in terms of the, the end part of that, um, I think the difference we're seeing is happening happening at different paces at, in different elements um, of these free companies. So I think uh, comic-wise, um, I think both... DC and Marvel have been making greater strides to uplift some of their their, their best sort of uh, female writers and artists, mm. and I think um, I think Marvel might ha- might have the edge there in recent years. But then DC made the Wonder Woman film, so yeah. I think at different levels they're they're operating on on different um, playing playing uh, fields. Yeah. There's also yeah. you could argue as well that. Um, that Suicide Squad, that Harley is a lead character, which she is. So, like they uh, and they've greenlit the uh, the Batgirl film. Mm. So it, it seems like their their film arm um, seems to be making a more proactive uh, push towards. Um, and I mean, they have been writing, uh, have been working with some really good uh, uh, like w- women uh, writers and artists. So I think they've definitely been moving in a direction and i think the differences that you get you're going to get between marvel dc and then image on the other side is that marvel dc are a big historic weighty um 
franchise slash uh, like universes, which using loads of pre-established characters. And what we're getting more now is people taking more newer, modern or nuanced takes on these characters who once would have been just eye candy yeah. uh, with really bad um, anatomy. Yeah. Whereas Image, I mean, Image, I think because there's a, a lot more uh, fresh new IP uh, and, and new stories, I think Image are have the, the one up there in, in terms of they they portraying more multidimensional and um, more multidimensional and more sort of rounded or human characters yeah. who aren't just uh, eye candy or the spouse of a, a male main character. So I definitely think they've got, got the edge and there's like so many different comics on there which deal with different elements of um, being a woman and... I think they they have the edge, and I, I think ultimately, on a whole, I'm more positive about everything concerning the big three and further on because I just think more people are coming in, and yeah. I think as we go through the years, whatever pushback we get, indie comics are still going to be around, yeah. and, uh, and and the audience are going to be demanding yeah. more and more uh, representation of themselves because. And- and the more the more time is now yeah and the more we get this stuff out in the media the more the more that this happens the more that we get these writers and the more that we get the books that we're after the more that we get these stories the more saturated the market becomes the more accepting people will eventually become and eventually it will the pushback will subside is i think what we're what we're looking for it's going to get to an end point eventually which is what we want and i'm hopeful for that i'm hopeful for that future because comics are for everyone as i keep saying they should be (laughs) for everyone people need to learn to share (laughs) because that's that's the whole beauty of it that there's something for everyone and it shouldn't be people shouldn't be hanging on to things and, and people should be allowing people to reinvent stuff and people should be allowing people to project themselves onto characters and to 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 the whole point is you pick up that book and you can see through that character's eyes. Anyone should be able to do that. That shouldn't be limited to a certain group of people. Amen. Amen. Um, and I think that will bring us to an end. So, thanks again, guys, for listening. That has been Ace Comicals. You can find us on Facebook under Ace Comicals. You can find us on Twitter at Ace Comicals. You can find us at www.acecomicals.com you can find us on um, iTunes under Ace Comicals you can find us on Pocket Casts uh, which is the app that we use but um, pretty sure any other podcatcher app or you know any other podcatcher that you use you'll be able to find us we're pretty available everywhere Um you can find us on WordPress as well, which is acecomicals.wordpress.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Bato, uh, B-A-T-T-O-U. And uh, Leon, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Leon Everett. And before I uh, say goodbye, I just want to remember that I wanted to shout out uh, Mitch Gerald's, who does the art of Mr. Miracle. Um 
I don't want, didn't want to leave him out, but I forgot to mention him earlier. But um, he is does some amazing stuff in that book, so check that book out. Yes, indeed. We got your name in there because you're really good, and we love your book. We're sorry we didn't say your name earlier. We really are. Um, and uh, we well, if you want to ask us a question, you can either ask us through Twitter. Um, on the Twitter account, you can DM us or you can ask us in a tweet. Uh, or you can forward us a question to our email address, which is um, acecomicals at gmail.com. We can um, get some good questions. We keep have. Them coming. Yeah, keep keep the questions coming in. We, we need more. We love questions. We love answering them. It's, it's a good challenge to have. So, yeah, thanks very much for listening, guys. Ace Comicals, over and out.